your favorite Minnesotan salad? I promise I won't make fun of it that much. You will. It, it's the cookie salad. It's the cookie salad. Yeah, with the Oreos in it. Does that? The trick is you got to get the one because sometimes they put apples in it or they'll put like mandarin oranges in it, and I cannot stand it. It's it's best when it's just like the Cool Whip and the vanilla pudding and the cookies. Like okay, well, that's like a that's like a cookie mousse. Yeah, it's those are good. Um, and I don't know if that's technically salad. Um, even in like the Minnesota sense of salad, obviously it's not like a salad salad. <laughs> Oh, I also really enjoy, like, there's a ramen salad mm. that's actually, you would enjoy this. It's basically, like, you get, like, cabbage or, like, coleslaw mix, and it's, um, you do a dressing with, like, the seasoning packet, and I think you throw in, like, almonds or something. Interesting. You also, like, crumple up the noodles and, or crumble them up and spread them so there's a little texture in I there. feel like there's a recipe for something like that in um, one of Chrissy Teigen's cookbooks, which I guess yeah. her name is pronounced Those Chrissy Teigen, but that's, no, it's it not. is. No, I watched an interview. That's how it's pronounced. But she says people pronounce it Tegan and she just rolls with it. Yeah. And I say, no, it's it's just pronounced Tegan. Uh, Anyway, unrelated. Like, I was trying to lead into it with the salad thing. (laughs) And then we got, uh, you know, well, I would say the salad stuff is much more uh, thematically appropriate. Yeah, that's what I was trying for. (laughs) Again, a Minnesota. This is just like my minis are turning into like a Minnesota history course. But this one I specifically Um, requested because you did request um, this. Hold on. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, I can send you the please do. So this is an ongoing story for it's been at least three years. This episode is um one second i can't think and type at the same time it's got to make replying to emails very hard yeah (laughs) so this whole episode is basically um only interesting because it's an inside joke between the two of us but what is this podcast if not just one long running i believe there's actually a one-star review that accuses us of that exactly so (laughs) eat my farts person um so emily why don't you read the text that i sent you on march 8th 2018 all right And I quote, so at the state fairgrounds, there's a street called Dan Patch Avenue, and I always operated under the assumption Dan Patch was a human man, only to learn today that Dan Patch was actually a fucking horse. Yeah, I'm still mad about this. (laughs) But less mad from what I've heard. Less mad, uh, because... I, I researched the story. I we we're gonna learn a little bit about Dan Patch today. Dan Patch, who is a horse, um, of course. And it's actually it's actually a pretty cute story with an interesting and. I don't know if you did it intentionally, but you did. We I did see Dan Patch Avenue in person. Yeah. Um. I don't know if that was intentionally or not, but. We definitely drove. And this was the thing was, so I used to drive past the state fairgrounds on my way home from work like years and years ago. And <laughs> so I would every day drive uh, past the state fairgrounds, past Dan Patch Avenue. I was just like, you, you I assumed it was a dude. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a reasonable assumption. I was so, I don't even remember how I found out how we even got on the subject of Dan Patch or why I had Googled it. But Dan Patch is a horse. Um, <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> And that's the episode. I promise we're actually going to learn. And that's the episode. Uh, No. So Dan Patch, who, again, was a horse, (laughs) was born on April 29th, 1896, in the stables of Dan Messner of Oxford, Indiana. Sarah, you might be asking yourself, or me, I guess, (laughs) through your phone. Are you about to tell me that this guy named the horse after himself? I was himself? literally just thinking that, yes. <laughs> I am about to say that. Dan Messner gave this new cult the name Dan Patch after himself and the horse that had, uh, who had sired him, who was named Joe Patchen. That's back in the day before, because 
if I'm not mistaken, if you have a registered racehorse, it has to have a name that is not like any other registered racehorse, which is the same with purebred dogs, from what I understand. So that's probably you true. might have a horse that you call Steve, but that horse's name is actually like Green Martini Goes Vroom because it needs to be a combination of words that doesn't exist. Um, that makes sense. I had just assumed it was because it was 1896 and there were only three names. Yeah, I mean, you could get away with calling him Dan Patch back then because there weren't a lot of registered names. But I found this out because one, uh, like a girl that I went to high school with, professionally like breeds and trains show horses. And she would always like be like, here's a picture of, you know, uh, the, the, I can't think of a, a combination of words that make no sense. The purple cactus straw. And I was like, why the fuck is it named Purple Cactus Straw? So I looked it up. And yeah, she actually calls that horse like Bill. So yeah, that actually reminds me of uh, my cousin is married uh, to this woman who owns a horse. Owns a horse. The horse's name is Jake and my cousin's name is Jake. <laughs> so when his wife talks about either of them, she has to distinguish between horse Jake and human Jake. <laughs> Yeah, like, my sister's golden retrievers both have weird names. Like, I think one of them is named, like, someone's purple Cadillac, but it's that's her registered, like, purebred name. Her name's fucking Ella. <laughs> anyway, so Dan Patch was that's a born. a weird rule. Dan Patch was born, uh, and he was bred to be a racehorse, but he was born with these crippled back legs, so he had, like, really knobbly knees, and he couldn't even stand on his own when he was born, which horses are supposed to be able to do. <laughs> Unlike human babies. <laughs> It'd be fucking <laughs> wild if human babies could, like, walk ten minutes after they I don't were born. even want to think about it. That's too disturbing. <laughs> the only redeemable feature about the little fellow was that he was friendly and cute, Messner later said. I honestly thought the Colt's future would be confined to hauling a delivery wagon. Aww. So more ruthless Harden, on Harden owners would have cut their losses and euthanized the poor thing. For being... Uh, but Jen Messner, for not... I guess it's the 1800s. Yeah, no. We didn't have hearts back then. Yeah. Uh, Dan Mester wasn't having any of it. Uh, with the help of his friends, they lifted sweet baby Dan Patch <laughs> off the ground so he could nurse. It still sounds like you're talking about a human man. Sweet baby no, Dan Emily, Patch. No, he's a horse. <laughs> Soon the colt was strong enough to stand on his own and grew to be a promising racer. He was trained for harness racing, which is not like traditional horse racing. It's the horse pulls a two-wheeled cart that has the jockey in the back, so he carries that around the track, but it also requires a particular gait, so like one of the horse has to move the legs on the same side of their body in unison. So it's just like chariot racing. So I don't know how you train a horse. Yeah, but they also got to do this like weird gait. And it can't, they, so they're not running like at top speed. They're just running very fast in a very particular way. So like so, it's the equivalent of like moving your left arm forward when your left leg goes. Yeah, forward. so like the two legs on the left go forward. Forward, and then the two legs on the right go forward and then they walk like that or run like that i should watch a video or something go google harness racing i guess um, but so apparently this was like a big deal during the time because like traditional horse races were associated with gambling and crime and these are just nice horses trotting around the racetrack at a reasonable gambling pace. crime big hats peaky blinders i don't know but that, i don't <laughs> think that show is about horse racing um emily have you seen an episode of peaky blinders yes there's lots of horse racing. Is there? That's like their whole thing. Yeah, that's how they like start up in the like crime business is they uh, fix bets on horse it's racing. It's been a long time and I was mostly in it for Annabelle Wallace. <laughs> this is fair. 
So Dan Patch entered his first race in August 1900 and quickly became famous as a racer. So over the course of his entire career, he would only ever lose two heats and he was undefeated in open competition. He was a damn fast horse. I'm sorry. I'm just imagining this as Seabiscuit, <laughs> but like an off-brand Seabiscuit. So it's Topher Grace instead of Toby Maguire. <laughs> I mean, this is basically off-brand sea biscuit. You're not wrong. That might be the title of the episode. <laughs> it's it's lake cookie. <laughs> uh, so he became so dominant on the racetrack that many owners like just wouldn't race their horses against him. Damn. Uh, so his whole thing became like he was performing time trials and breaking speed records, which he did 14 times. <laughs> He's a good horse. Very good horse. In 1902, he was purchased by a Minnesota businessman, Marion Savage, uh, who paid $60,000 or about $1.2 million in today's money uh, for the famous horse. Money or today money. I don't know how much horses go for these days. A lot. Probably not that much. But also not every horse is Dan Patch. (laughs) No, not every Uh, horse. So... Marion's business, he owned a feed company called International Stock Food, and he made Dan Patch the mascot and basically plastered this horse's face on billboards and literally any product like International Stock Food could produce. Uh, When he arrived in Minnesota in January 1903, he was welcomed with a celebratory parade down Nicollet Avenue in downtown Minneapolis. Wow. This is... He was a famous horse. He was a big deal. More like, damn, Patch. So he uh, he began touring the nation with Dan Patch at his side. Uh, they would visit state fairs and exhibitions and break record after record, uh, most notably at the Minnesota State Fair Grandstand, uh, you know, not too far from Dan Patch Avenue, now stands today. Uh, on September 4th, 1906, Dan Patch broke his own world record for a paced mile, uh, one that he would hold for over half a century, clocking in at one minute and 55 seconds. I assume that's very fast. I guess so. <laughs> Uh, while most racing stallions are generally considered to be like ill-tempered and kind of mean, Dan Patch was apparently a very sweet and gentle Aww. horse. He loved the crowds, and apparently he had this way of holding his head towards the crowd at the end of the race as if he was like thanking them for the applause. Like he'd kind of acknowledge the crowd. He deserves a street. He's I I'm in love with this horse. <laughs> Uh, he retired in 1910 and spent the remainder of his life at Savage's Farm, uh, save for an annual appearance at the Minnesota State Fair. What a sweet boy. Uh, he died on July 11th, 1916 at the age of 20. I guess his heart, which is twice the size of a normal horse's heart. Are you being serious <laughs> right now? This is, this, is what, this is what I learned from the Dan Patch Historical Society. <laughs> Which is a thing and a source I used. It had been weakened by years of racing, Aww. which is sad. Um, Savage, uh, his owner, was also in the hospital at the time. Uh, he was recovering from a minor surgery. And when he had heard the news that Dan Patch had died, he collapsed from shock and died the very next Oh, my next God. Day. It's like the old people on the Titanic. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So that's the story of Dan Patch. Um, I also realized I didn't cite my sources, so I just want to give them a shout out. Uh, it was Minopedia, again, <laughs> Dan Patch Historical Society, and Growler Meg, which has a very great article about him, about dear old Dan Patch. I love this horse. Uh, I know, right? I want to watch a movie about this horse. I've never seen Seabiscuit. I don't know why there isn't. There's also like apparently so between um I didn't get into this because just narratively it was a detour but between um his original owner Dan Messner and Marion Savage buying him he was bought by this other guy from like New York who apparently was kind of shady and there was some um there was some speculation that he had basically threatened Messner into selling him by killing one of Messner's other horses what the like fuck? yeah <laughs> this would be a good story. 
Someone get Disney so. on the phone or Pixar. Seriously, I think there actually is a Dan Patch movie out there somewhere. Probably, um, like back in the fifties, they made one. But <sighs> well, Dan Patch is a national hero. Yes, he is. And I will never laugh about Dan Patch Avenue again, oh, I even will. though it does sound like it should be named after a human man. Like I, I've told you before, it reminds me of the um, <laughs> James Baxter episode of Adventure Time. Like, that's all I can think of. But yeah, James Baxter was also a very good horse. All horses are good horses. Yeah, I don't think there's like an... They're basically like big dogs. Yeah, there's not like an evil horse. Like, even the, the quote, evil horse entangled turned out to be a very good horse. <laughs> well, that was enlightening, and I'm glad. I'm glad I finally learned the story of Dan Patch. Other than the fact that he's just a horse, <laughs> he has like a full blown gravestone too, right? Like, yeah, that was, I think the picture I sent you last night because I just laughed because it was on Wikipedia. I think that's the one. So he has like a memorial tombstone in Indiana where he was born, <laughs> but he's buried at um. In at a uh, Marion Savages racetrack in Minnesota. I'm surprised they don't have like the Dan Patch Museum. I think there is one. I stand corrected. I'm almost certain there is a Dan Patch. Let me look. Because that was kind of what the historic. Oh, there's a harness museum <laughs> in Savage, Minnesota. Well, there you go. Where they talk about Dan Patch. So may you all carry the story <laughs> of Dan Patch into your day. Oh, God. I'm sorry. I'm laughing because I, I googled Dan Patch Museum and they uh, it opened up to the Harness Museum Hall of Fame. And it just says, it, like, as a little fact sheet, Dan Patch, year of birth, 1896. Immortal. Yes. <laughs> I'd like to think so. Apparently, you can be elected as immortal to the uh, Harness Racing Museum Hall of I'm Fame. I'm just imagining a portrait somewhere of a very, very old horse and then Dan Patch in a smoking jacket. <laughs> That's I like that. Let's leave the episode on that image. Oh, I was going to ask who you thought the good voice casting for Dan Patch in the upcoming Pixar movie would be. <laughs> I, I'm not that good on my feet. You can't ask me to think of fame. I'm, I can't think of a single famous person. <laughs> Justin McElroy. I don't know. <laughs> I could I could see that. I could see that. For some reason, Ben Platt was coming to mind. Just someone like very soft. Or Jonathan Groff, <laughs> maybe. It's a musical. Mm, the the movie is a musical in my head. So I'm thinking Jonathan Groff, probably. Well, anyways. Well, Emily, <laughs> <laughs> I hope that one day you can eat an edible and watch the Dan Patch musical. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. We love you. For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to SoBelowMedia.com. This, this is as above, so below.